for uh, those who are here usually, Adrian is currently in a WTC meeting, so um, he's asked me to fill in. Um, on the agenda for today, we had a proposal by Kincaid who wanted to discuss open payments and how it related to, to the payment handler API. Um, though I see he hasn't joined yet. Um, does anybody want to propose any other agenda items in the meantime? We could talk about the um, transition for web monetization from the uh, meta tag to the link tag that's been proposed as a suggestion. Perfect. Um, I think then let's lead with that. Kincaid normally comes on a little bit later, so maybe he's a bit delayed. Uh, Stefan, do you want to just lead the, the discussion with that and give some background? Yeah, of course I can. Um, so essentially what, what happened was that we originally designed the um, meta tag with sort of simplicity in mind, and there was some prior art in that um, I think Flatter uses a meta tag. Um, and so we basically just took, um, to find a, a new new name for this meta, say meta name monetization, um, and then just said the value would be an SPSP payment pointer. Um, and that sort of got us this far, um, but uh, as we were talking to browser vendors more and more, um, they started to kind of point out that, you know, SPSP is really just a HTTP um, protocol. And so um, there's already a mechanism for specifying a relationship between a web page and some other HTTP URL, and that's called a link or, you know, or a relation. Um, and so there's already standards for that, right? There's the link tag is specifically for that. And so um, we designed together with uh, some, some of the people who provided that feedback, Marcus and uh, Toby, uh, a new spec, which is essentially replacing the um, payment pointer with just the HTTP URL that it resolves to. Um, and instead of using a meta tag name monetization, it uses a link tag realm monetization. Now, this might seem pretty arcane if you're not from the browser world, but you know, if you are, it makes a lot more sense from that perspective. Um, and maybe just to kick off the, the discussion, like I was uh, reading through, um, uh, you know, some of the comments that have been made uh, about this proposal uh, on, the, on the GitHub issue and, and elsewhere. Um, and one of my impressions was that, um, is there like a risk in having two different ways of writing payment pointers? Um, so like previously we had the format that starts with the dollar sign um, and it was only sort of internal to the implementations that people would expand it into an HTTP URL. So if I'm just a user of it, I don't really have to worry about that distinction. Um, but with this introduction of the link tag now, there's sort of two formats of a, of a payment pointer. Um, and so the question is, does that sort of dilute the standard? Um, but I'm also curious to, to hear if anyone else has any concerns about that change or um, maybe wants to support it. For those that are looking for the original issue, I have linked it in the chat. Um, Dan Carroll, I see you raised your hand. Would you would you like to uh, comment? Yeah, I was going to add the comment that if we're thinking about uh, simplicity of people being able to edit that tag themselves, 
that uh, a huge majority of the websites that are on the internet are built with WordPress. And it's really common for people to have the easy capability of editing the meta tags that are in their header. Uh, but they, I don't know that I've seen any specifically popular uh, link editors uh, for header information. Uh, so we might, uh, somebody might want to come up with uh, a WordPress plugin that allows you to easily create uh, the appropriate link injection. Uh, if we're going to uh, switch from something that is pretty easy to do to something that I'm not sure what the widespread availability of um, easy plugins are, because a lot of people that build these websites in WordPress might want to monetize, um, and that might be a small barrier to entry. It's a great point. I think that that would also be something we could do research on in terms of like what other CMS and other, you know, framework are out there that may or may not make it easy to add link tags. Um, one advantage that's come up uh, that's been pointed out for link tags is that um, there's a way to specify a link relation via a header. There's an HTTP link header. And so, you know, that has come up in the past. Like if you, for some reason, you can't modify the HTML at all, um, maybe you can still add a header that indicates to the browser there's monetization on this page. Um, so, for example, if you think of like a, a JSON API or something like that, um, that would be really nice to have. And so with the link relation way of thinking about it, that's pretty obvious how that would, would look. It would just be the link header. Yeah, I think uh, it doesn't seem anybody else has any some has any comments. Um, like I said, the issue is there. If you want to add some input, I would uh, suggest putting it in the issue and just tagging some people. Um, David, yeah, go ahead. Hey, uh, <clears throat> Stefan, can you clarify the comment about two formats of a payment pointer? If we put HTTP in the front of the pointer. Does that does that always mirror the dollar sign format? Mm, sorry, David. I was I was having some issues understanding. Um, can you maybe put the question in the chat or or try again? Yeah, let me uh, let me try and type it. Well, my chat doesn't work in Zoom, which is great. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, one second. Uh, great question. So David asked, does the dollar sign format always mirror an HTTPS or HTTP URL? Um, and so, yeah, so the, in the payment pointer spec, there's essentially a, um, a resolution that's standardized for this dollar sign identifier, which is essentially, um, you can summarize it as replace the dollar sign with um, the string HTTPS colon slash slash. And if there's no path after the domain, insert the path slash dot well known slash pay. Um, and so that was designed because 
of a number of design criteria. We wanted to make it easy for somebody to have a short memorable payment pointer without having to do some complicated routing on the front page of their website. And that's why we added that well-known feature. But we also wanted the ability for people to create payment pointers cheaply without having to register a new domain each time. And so, um, or, or even like set up a new subdomain DNS each time. And so that's why there's also the ability to have a path optionally. Um, and so with those two rules, that's pretty much how payment pointers resolved. Um, uh, another, I think, design decision that might be worth mentioning is that it always resolves to HTTPS. Um, probably doesn't need much explanation, but obviously if you're trying to get payment credentials, it doesn't make much sense to do that over an insecure connection. So um, making HTTPS required seems like, seems like a good decision there. Um, and so uh, one thing that might be interesting is that if you have a HTTPS URL, there isn't always a correspondent payment pointer. And that is because of that one little quirk with the, um, the if the path is empty, you add the well-known. So if you have an HTTPS URL that has no path, that's just on the root of the domain, um, that would not have a corresponding payment pointer. Um, so maybe interesting to point out. All right, David says cool things. <laughs> Welcome, David. Um, yeah, so I think seeing as though the, um, the 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 one disagreement that I see maybe is still there is is I'm probably advocating more for having the dollar sign starting payment pointer as the canonical form, and then the HTTPS URL is an expansion of that. Um, I think Adrian looks at it more as the URL is the canonical form, and then the dollar sign version is a shorthand. Um, but I think maybe this is a good thing since Adrian is not able to to be on the call today to move this to the issue and maybe discuss it in writing. But if anyone's interested in that debate, feel free to join the discussion on the on the issue then. Perfect. Uh, does anybody else have any comments they want to add? Questions they, um, that they don't understand? There's another question in chat. I don't know if people saw it. Yeah, David said, uh, reading the issues, we want the canonical form to be HPS as opposed to some other scheme, correct, for resolvability. By some other scheme, he means like pay uh, colon slash slash or uh, I guess something like a FTP, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, this this kind of goes to a little bit what my issue is with with um, the way that, that it's been framed as the HTTP URL is a payment pointer. To me, like the HTTP URL is how you resolve a payment pointer. Like when you're trying to actually pay to somebody, you need to actually get payment details. And so you need a way to communicate with them. And we happen to use HTTPS for that. And so, you know, you're resolving this identifier, which starts with dollar sign, you convert it into a URL. So then you can make a, a request at URL to get those payment details. Um, and so for me, like the payment pointer is the thing with the dollar sign. Um, and so, 
you know, it doesn't make much sense to have a scheme like colon or pay colon because that wouldn't tell you how to resolve it. And it also wouldn't be the canonical form because the canonical form would be the one with the dollar sign, in my, in my view. I think for Adrian, it's more the canonical version is the HTTPS URL. And so then you would just use that also as the, as the thing to refer to it. Um, but I think in that view, maybe um, a pay colon would make more sense. David agrees with you, Stefan. Um, yeah, I think uh, let's leave that debate to, to the issue. I think uh, there's lots, lots of still like side discussions to be had about that. Uh, one question I had, I mean, could you ever foresee a payment pointer not resolving to HPS to being resolved some other way? Well, I think there's sort of two important things that an identifier needs to be able to do, specifically like an identifier that's supposed to be useful to somebody um, like, for example, you know, a phone number. I, if I receive a phone number, I know that that's a useful identifier because I can type it into my phone and then be connected to that person that that number represents. And so I think one, there's sort of two key elements you need if you want to have a useful identifier. Um, one of them is the interoperability aspect, which is, you know, if you had, like, if there was, like, 20 different phone providers and when you put in a phone number, it only works if the other person's on the same phone provider. It's kind of like what you get with like um, messaging apps. Uh, that's not a very good user experience. It's a pretty broken user experience because I, I try to connect, but then it doesn't work. Um, and so what those messaging apps usually do is they have some fallback at least where, you know, at least the, the, the person gets an invite or protect by a text message or something. Um, and so that's a pretty bad uh, thing for an identifier if it's not interoperable. The other thing that's very crucial is that the identifier needs to be recognizable. Because if I see some number, but I don't know that it's a phone number, I don't know that I can put it in my phone, and I don't know that, that that'll work, you know, and that I'll be able to contact you that way. Um, and so you also need the identifier to be recognizable for what it is. And so then the question is like, well, you know, if you make it an HTTP URL, it is recognizable as an HTTP URL. So you will know that you can put it in a browser and you can go there, and then that web page could tell you, hey, this is actually a payment pointer, you know, go put that into your payment app. Um, but arguably there's some benefit and, and payments is a specific enough use case that it deserves its own identifier so that, for example, if you, you know, write a Slack message or a text message with a payment pointer in it, the application can recognize, oh, that's a payment pointer and maybe has some additional semantics the same way that it does for email addresses or phone numbers today. Thanks. And I think something we discussed is you get the side benefit of like sort of brand identity. Um, if, 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 you, if that's instantly recognizable, that's quite a powerful image. Totally. I mean, it's kind of interesting how the ad symbol has effectively become the logo for email, right? Because it's in the identifier. Yeah, I, I think that's, um, it's become ubiquitous. And I think we should try aim for that with payment pointers. Uh, but again, I think let's, let's move that discussion to the issues. Um, if nobody else has any questions, I'm going to give the floor to Kincaid. Um, Kincaid, you raised, uh, you wanted to discuss um, payment handler APIs with regards to open payments. Yeah, um, it's something 
uh, uh, Spring has kind of been thinking about um, and was just kind of curious how um, particularly you, Matt, uh, and Adrian have been thinking about uh, payment handlers with, how, like, with respect to open payments. I looked a bit at how uh, it was implemented in the Rafiki shop demo. Um, and yeah, I was just curious if you could kind of go through like how, how you see that working. It seemed like some things were hard coded, like the callback URL, whereas you might want to exchange the payment pointer between the service worker and the, um, and the merchant. Um, so yeah, if you could, if you, I, I take it, you've done some thinking on that. So curious for your thoughts. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, to give everybody background, so so everybody's on the same page. The pan, payment handler API is a spec uh, developed by W3C to enable easier payments on um, within the browser environment. Uh, currently, the only browser that's really supporting it is Chrome. Um, how it works is that your 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 digital wallet or or credit card at the moment as well, um, you can register what's known as like a sort of a payment application. And you can go to a website and instead of doing all the funky checkout details where you put in your card number or you have like a specific um, like button to PayPal and it does this funny redirects, there's a native handler that you can basically invoke. Um, so the website can discover what payment methods you do have uh, or, or if they support any of the ones the merchant supports. And then basically it, it, it raises a, a window um, overlay that redirects you to your payment app and does some sort of negotiation to complete that payment and then brings you back to the context of the web of context of the website without actually leaving the website at all. It's like a, it's a native overlay. Um, and Adrian actually uh, is the co-chair of that, that working group. Um, so one of the um, tricks with that is basically you have to register payment methods, and, but one of them natively supported in Chrome is actually Interledger. Um, so the question is, what does that interface look like? Um, the for open payments, it basically we have this primitive called an invoice. Um, our previous thinking was a lot of that the payment handler API basically kicked off an OAuth flow, and you saw basically you had that callback URL was hard coded because there was no way with with OAuth two basically. It, it's a browser redirect. So you have to redirect normally back to the client requesting access and hence why we hard coded that value. Um, but that was because we were doing a pool based payment instead of a push based payment. Um, so some of our more sort of like current thinking on how the open payment specs work is a lot of the checkout flows would be push based payments. So for the interface there, we envision that in the payment handler API, when you want to invoke a payment, you would pass in the invoice details. So as a merchant, you'd create an invoice at your, at your wallet. Um, so that would tell you that like sort of the amount you're expecting and maybe a description. Uh, pass that into the payment handler. And then the, your digital wallet as the, the shopper would then get the context of that invoice, work out what you need to pay and then just authorize you to pay it. And when you resolve the payment handler back to the merchant to say, this has been paid, the merchant will be either be like, know that you've paid it or the, 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 the sender has said they've paid it and they can then go check their wallet if that invoice has been paid. Um, I'm just gonna leave it there in case you have any questions, Kincaid. Gotcha, nice. Um, 
do you would there be any redirect um, in that case after the user clicks pay in the payment request frame or would um, it just be redirected after no, so you could pretty much resolve immediately. The idea there would be at the, the window that's being invoked by payment handler is first party to the, 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 the pay, payers, um, the person paying the sender of the funds is wallet. So imagine I had, a, had an account with PayPal. When that window invokes, I'm actually in a PayPal owned URL. So they could choose how they want to resolve that invoice, whether it's just a button with the details above saying pay, and then afterwards, the, that, that window will know to resolve the payment handler back to the, the actual merchant's website. And then it would close and the, the merchant can go ch double check that that invoice has indeed been paid. Um, the trickier part comes when you want to do mandates, sort of like subscription-based billing, because that's essentially a more complicated flow. Um, but I want to see if you understand the invoice part, and then I can take you through the mandate thinking though they are like, it's, it's not entirely thought of, to be honest. So, sorry, I, I, I don't think I, um, so I guess my, my concern was, um, it, like it'd be nice if, since the user to, to open, like so users on the merchant's website, they have to hit some like checkout button because I think the payment request requires that there's a click event in order to open the browser. Yes, correct. For that, um, then I'm presented with the payment amount information. Select my payment method, um, and have to hit the pay button within that browser frame, which is should be trusted by the user. Correct. Then, what happens after that? Does it just it, so the, the the service worker handles the payment request? Uh, does it execute the push payment directly or do you see it redirecting to the wallet where the user confirms again before executing the payment? Uh, okay, so, so that's part of the, the peculiarity with payment handlers or payment requests at the moment. And there's a lot of discussions within the working group to try to resolve that because it is ambiguous for users and like it's not a great user experience. So the first screen you see where you choose your payment method and then click pay where you see the details. That's called the payment sheet. Um, and that's basically native browser sort of information. The idea there is if you have multiple payment apps installed, you could select which one. So for argument's sake, let's say I had Google Pay and PayPal, I could then select on that payment sheet which, which of those two wallets that I want to use to pay. And then when I click pay, I would the next image or like next window you've shown is an actual URL of the native part. So your wallet would still have to do stuff from their side to actually do that part of the payment. That, that I, would, like, I would think no wallet from that point of view would automatically authorize the payment. So my, okay, I guess my question is what, like, is, like what, what is the better user experience there? Because it seems like, redirecting the user away from the site they're on and requiring them to click another button when they already saw the payment amount does add some level of friction. Um, at the same time, like, I don't know how much users will trust, uh, you know, even though this is, you know, the browser's own window, I guess it's unclear how much, you know, users will, will trust that. Yeah, But I think it is a, like, it isn't like it would be nice to reduce that friction, particularly if we're talking about, you know, 
a payment of a dollar or less yeah. than a dollar. Great you bring that point up because currently we are looking at exploring uh, minimal UI cases. So um, the Chrome team basically within the next week or two are going to land in their um, Canary release a minimal, they call it minimal UI. The idea is that if amounts are smaller, um, that the user can basically not get to the next payment sheet. Um, so yeah, you, you're pretty much on the money with, with the current thinking on what's happening. Um, the, the idea with minimal UI, just to bring everybody up to speed, is that like Kincaid explained, if you've got very um, sort of like low, low value interactions, so I wanna pay 50 cents, I wanna pay a dollar, the, the current payment sheet is very heavy and actually very cumbersome. Um, so the idea is the Chrome team were thinking of something called minimal UI. The idea being that when I invoke minimal UI, it would literally just give me the option of showing the payment sheet, which would show me sort of a balance of my current wallet, an amount, and then just a confirmation. And the idea would be if I confirm that single, singular sheet uh, or that singular modal, then the payment would be fully proce processed by the time that modal is like accepted. Um, and that's, that's being sort of worked on right now. Nice, nice. I guess that, yeah, that, that sounds great. <laughs> I guess that answers my uh, question. Is there anywhere I can see, like, um, I can see kind of the, is, um, are there any threads uh, regarding that or? So I can give you a link to the, the current API that they're thinking of using. There's a gist, I'm gonna put it in the chat now. Um, Dan, while I look for that, uh, do you wanna go ahead and uh, comment? I see you got your hand raised. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, we were discussing the two different options between um, having something that was specifically in browser or something that redirects to an external application. Um, and it seems like both of them would be really valuable for the different types of transactions. Uh, we covered the really uh, like really low transactions that happen frequently, um, like say actions, like I think um, was mentioned before, such as if there was a social media network that uh, you could tip directly with a button. Um, it, when you were in that environment and logged in, perhaps you have a trusted connection between that website and your payment source and just you you always trust the button that's on the website. But if, if this gets integrated into e-commerce websites, people might want the ability to consult um, they want they might want to pull up their wallet and have the transaction in a separate approval screen. Uh, and allow them to check between their various balances. Perhaps at the time they decide because of the value of the transaction, they actually want to select a different payment source account. Um, and so maybe they want to modify the transaction just a bit uh, before it's completed uh, beyond the defaults that would be registered in the browser um, based on some of the information that they would see once they bring their wallet up. And it seems like the user might want to have both options depending on the value and the frequency of uh, the transaction. Um, yeah, Dan, great point. And that's part of the, 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 the issues that are trying to be resolved at the browser level right now. Um, so the current payment handlers have some security flaws because they basically the way you register a payment handler application is you just register a service worker in the background. Um, so if I visit a website, it can just like sort of like explicit or sort of in the background, just register a payment handler app. Um, and that'll be shown as an option every time I invoke payment handler. 
Um, what you're describing is, I think, something that the browsers are looking more to do, where basically there's an explicit enrollment phase. And like you said, the, the, the thinking there would be that for minimal UI, you would have a default, like there would only be one option and that would be the default uh, that you choose. And you could explicitly say for minimal UI, I wanna use uh, Google Pay, uh, but for all my other type of interactions, I want an option um, because I've got PayPal, I've got Google Pay and I've got Rafiki money. And that, that's sort of the, the, like that is what they're trying to solve. But there's a lot of UX and UI issues that they are trying to resolve. So I have linked the gist to the engineer working on the API in the chat. Uh, and it does have a sort of an image at the very bottom. Um, just for notes, they are only working on this in the Android version of Chrome um, to keep the surface of sort of experimenting very small. So it would be more of like a mobile experience for now. Understood, I'm gonna take a look at that. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the link. That's, that's really, really helpful. Um, one question I have, so uh, it makes a, lot of, makes a lot of sense for the poll case. For the mandates case, um, you see that as always kind of requiring a redirect, um, or what's kind of your view there? So I think it will depend on the uh, like final API that payment handler actually takes and form. Um, there are some talks with the browser vendors that they actually just want, um, like, like you say, just the singular payment sheet and that is trusted without too much need for extra UI. Um, the reason being is uh, one of the big issues at the moment and like concerns is uh, like spoofing. Um, even though the, the modal is currently positioned in a way that it's not spoofed, if you're not paying attention, it's very easy to, to like to spoof it and that could be very dangerous. So I think that's one of the biggest concerns at the moment from uh, the browsers is like this window can be spoofed. So going to a more standardized UI does mean that that makes it less spoofable, um, but you run the risk then that digital wallets then can't do other stuff. So, I mean, the big issue now you can imagine is like, let's say you show a payment sheet and just says pay. How do I know that, like, how do I get extra authentication from my user? Like, I want to step up the authentication because they're trying to buy a $500 thing. Um, the only way I could potentially do that is out of band somewhere else, which is sort of not how current sort of payment methods work, where you would step up in the same flow as the payments being done. Didn't Adrian, um, I saw it was mentioned somewhere, there was some kind of spec for a, or a proposal for a browser API that would allow some kind of popover window without having to redirect you or open in a new tab so the user doesn't lose the context of the site they're currently on. Um, I can't remember what it, what it was called, but I, I saw. Um, it helped draft something like that. Yeah, so, so essentially the idea was current payment handler does show a browser URL, like a, after you click on that payment sheet, it does show a browser context, a small window that is a pop over. It's not actually a pop up, it's actually a native window and you can't interact with the underlying website, but you're still in the same. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so, yeah. so within, within the frame, it does, okay. okay. Yeah, so currently it does do that. The proposal they were doing there was they they wanted to propose a more generic browser level API for things like 
uh, OAuth currently. So OAuth currently works completely off redirects. And uh, the way some websites get around that is for, with pop-ups and then like resolving the pop-ups in the background and stuff. But uh, they saw there was use cases for native like overlays that could basically like be used in like multiple use cases. Um, that being like OAuth. Another one being like current payments. So if you go use PayPal or there's a PayPal button on a website and go see how the interaction works, um, it, it usually does it like it, it opens a new window or it does this weird like iframe popping up and taking over the whole context to try and like make sure you know what's going on. But it, it's very janky user experiences. Gotcha. Nice. Um... Yeah, one thing I was thinking of, would, would open payments support, so if you wanted to say this is a mandate, like a pull payment, but it's low value enough that you don't need to authorize, like the user to provide that other, that extra step of authorization, would open, is there a way for open payments to support it, the, the register, the, the wallet, just returning the necessary credentials directly to the merchant to execute the payment. Um, it seemed kind of, to me a little bit of a delegated, like a use case that might be served by some kind of delegated access. Yeah, I, I, my, my suspicion is like, we, so the way we thought about doing mandates is basically you pass in the information of the mandate and for open payments, we trying to work out like um, a way to do um, identity. So like I'm taking a little bit of a sidetrack here. So in the open banking um, initiative in the UK, the way they onboard like merchants and applications and things that want to participate in open banking, they've got this thing called the open banking directory where basically it issues you, it issues you certs and you sort of like provide that directory with um, like information about yourself, who you are, and you, you do need like an E, there's like an EU ID, like to, to say you're a real like company and stuff. And then essentially you get issued certs. And then when you want to interact with any like open banking um, enabled banks, they can then go look up in that directory, you are who you say you are. So the idea there would be that if you wanted to do sort of like a mandate, uh, um, payment handler type experience, you'd pass in the details of the mandate and then you'd also pass in sort of your identifier to tie that to you and then go off the user. M my suspicion though for the low friction stuff you mentioned, I don't, like I can't envision a case where you would have low friction, like where you'd want low friction something that's reoccurring. Like I, I could be wrong, but it seems that if you are doing something that could potentially pull money over multiple instances, like a subscription, I, I would hazard a guess that wallets would want to have a bit more auth in that stage. It wouldn't be so low friction. Um, but again, it's up to the wallets to decide this. Like it's, it's what risk they're willing to take. I think a lot of the step up and that's how current sort of the card systems work. Yeah. So for that use, so for example, like video streaming um, as I'm kind of watching the video um, where there's like a kind of bandwidth, or maybe that wouldn't even like, how would you even kind of represent that in a, a payment handler? Um, you could. Right. So, I mean, the idea would be like, I, let's say for argument's sake, I go to cinnamon.video, okay? And now I want to sort of have a way to like give them delegated access to sort of 
pool money as I watch like chunks of video. So they're going to charge me on a 15 or th every 15 or 30 seconds of video. Um, so you authorize a mandate that basically I only want to spend like two or three dollars at this, uh, this, this website a month. And then basically every 15 second chunk they, they give you, you basically would um, like deduct that amount. Obviously, this is an arbitrary use case because this is better served by web monetization where you're streaming money. Um, whereas like my thinking with uh, open payments is more for discrete payments uh, and sort of like applications. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, for that use case, it's a bit hard because it's better served by web monetization than open payments. Potentially, um, like I'm kind of more on the side that like there is, there might like, there could be a huge market for more exclusive um, like user authorized um, micropayments um, and that it like could create more of a marketplace for content rather than kind of the rate being set by a few probably larger providers. Um, like I just think about like on the content creator side, like how do you set some kind of floor for the rate you're willing to accept for your content? Um, I know like there's, there's, there's definitely um, like uh, use cases for, for both approaches, but I think there, there could be, there, there could be some kind of for the discrete case too. Um, yeah, and and open payments can't you can do it. It's just a bit more clunky. Like I, I you you ha, you yeah. won't like I just think per second billing won't be possible. Um, you'd have to think about it. Um, but it it is possible. Um, yeah, I, I like I think we just want to enable the basic primitives and let people like build these things. Like uh, it's it's very like like you say. I, I think whatever users build will be very interesting because we'll we'll start to see what people are trying to do with the systems and and adapt to that yep yeah. uh, thank you for the clarity on payment handler i i appreciate that sorry to drop I, I just wanted to chime in that um it's it it's funny you're bringing up this use case which is like streaming but a higher amount so you can't use passive web monetization uh somebody just brought that up today over email so yeah just wanted to confirm that it's a valid use case and something that people are bringing out in the market. Yeah, and and Kincaid, I, I must, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to get the tipping demo out because I think with the mandates and having the sort of in-platform use of like this mandate, you'll see better how that use case works. Um, that that one's basically like a, a, like a blogging platform uh, clone where essentially you authorize that blogging platform to to take uh, like sort of like a tip amount so you say one two or five dollars a month and then wh whilst you use the platform you can like tip creators for like small discrete amounts and it'll take it from that mandate and that would sort of be the idea of like this in application has this ability to do small discrete payments within its context nice nice Oh, by the way, as a side note, I think I think Rafiki's shop is down, um, which uh, I, I I liked it so much, like the payment in particular, the payment handler flow on it. Like I wanted to show it to some other people, um, but I wasn't. It, it was down, so I wasn't I wasn't able to. Um, but if if there's if there's a way to get that back up, I, I'd love. To.
Sure. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that that occurred. Uh, so just a note, that might be because we deprecated the old flows. So if you go to eats.rafiki.shop and flix.rafiki.shop, which I'll link in the chat, uh, those should still work. Um, I've just loaded those, but I do see the root domain doesn't work. So I think that might have been when I try to clean up some old code. Um, yeah, apologies for that. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, if nobody has any other questions, there's something I'd like to bring up in the last 15 minutes. And it's something, oh, David, did you want to have a comment? Yeah, I just, um, it's just to clarify on the Rafiki shop, I don't think that Eats or Flix um, support the payment handler payment request. Is, is that something easy to like bring back? Because that was on the shop checkout. Uh, I have one of our interns working on it at the moment, but he's uh, learning payment handler is a, a little bit of a tricky beast. So he is working on it, and I think he should be finished soon. Okay, sweet. Thank you. Um, yeah, so while we have 15 minutes, I did raise an issue in ILP protocol stream um, in the actual JavaScript implement implementation. Uh, we had somebody implementing uh, sort of a stream receiver and they wanted to basically have the ability to uniquely identify money events so that they know that they're not sort of downstream double accounting for money. Um, so I I'm going to link the, the, the quick issue I've created into the, the, into the chat, but the basic gist of it is that um, that one option is they could uniquely create a, a, um, a UUID within that sort of on money event to track it themselves. But I think for, um, for peace of mind, it seems that having it natively built in might be easier because then they feel that or the system is a top, like sort of got an exactly once guarantee of that, that on money event. But if it was giving a UUID or some sort of hash or something, um, that they could basically just use it off the shelf and not have to think or worry about it. Um, yeah, Stefan, I'd like you to jump in here because I know you've mentioned the hash and I have done the issue, so. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a stream expert. Um, I definitely would want to look at it more, but um, the thing I contributed to that um, internal thread was um, that obviously you have the ILP packet that triggered the most recent set of processing and that should always have a one-to-one -one relationship with a new event. Um, so you could expose basically the ILP packets condition um, as a way for somebody to deduplicate the event. Um, again, not fully thought out and I'm not a stream expert, so definitely caveats apply here. Um, for those not familiar with um, the sort of what goes on currently, when you've got a stream connection, it you can subscribe to a money event for a, for a stream, and that money event currently just raises a, a, an amount that is a string value of a of a U sixty four int. Um, uh, the the only concern I think currently with that thinking using the packet level stuff is that then 
there is a one-to-one -one correlation of the money event and a packet. Uh, I don't know if that's in the spec currently, or the thinking was that sometimes that money event could be raised or sort of debounced a little bit so that you're not raising them so often. So maybe multiple packets could make up a single money event every second. Um, though I, I'm not sure if that's sort of the desired like outcome. Yeah, and I think Adrian brought up a good point that a single packet could deliver money to multiple streams. So then if you emitted that money event for multiple streams, if you're just doing it based on the packet itself, then the ID would be the same. Um, one alternative would be you could take the Mac of the shared secret, like the sequence number, and then the stream ID. And I think that should get you a unique ID for that, um, for the money delivered to that stream. Because the sequence number will always, like the stream implementation should ensure the sequence number always uh, increases. Um, the shared secret is, is unique and then the stream ID will ensure that it would be unique to that stream. So just, just to understand, like, is it possible currently with stream where you could have multiple money frames, stream money frames in a packet? For argument's sake, I send a packet of, of two, um, a value of two, um, that one could be allocated to two different streams. Is that correct? The summation of all the money packets or money frames within a packet should equal the amount. Is that correct in my assumption? Correct. Yeah, that's that's only supported by the JavaScript implementation, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure why you would use that at least at least in the in the near future. But that yeah, that that is like definitely possible. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, Kincaid, if you could just propose put your ideas into the that issue, so we can just further discuss it. Um, I think that, that that sounds like a good solution. Like, I, I don't know if I'm a, too much of a fan of like bubbling up like actual ILP packet data to the stream thing to saying like, this is exactly what it is. Um, because like you say, that there could be semantics where the, the, the correlation isn't one-to-one. -one. Um, if they are one-to-one, -one, then we must just make sure that's the guarantee, but I don't think that is the case. Will do, yep. If um, nobody has anything more to add with that, uh, we've got sort of 10 minutes left. Um, is there anything else anybody would like to discuss? Going once, twice. Okay. Thanks everybody. I think this was a, yeah, a great, great discussion today. We covered multiple topics. Um, we're hoping to have more from our side, from the Rafiki money sort of open payment side, much more rounded out once the interns finish uh, sort of some of the revamping stuff. So we're really excited to get that out and into the community and hopefully having sort of like a dev platform then properly for, for people to start like developing it against, not just looking at demos, but actually implementing demos themselves. Um, 
The next call we have will be in two weeks. That will be the 4th of March. Um, thanks, everybody. Enjoy your week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt.